Since 2005, people all over the world have been watching and uploading videos to YouTube. And no matter how many of these past 15 years you've been a part of this platform, one thing you've surely noticed is that YouTube is constantly evolving, whether it's the types and styles of videos that are trendy at the time, the technology itself, or even the shifting culture of YouTube and YouTubers, the platform is never static. And these are all good topics, I think, for future discussions. But today, I thought we'd, I thought it'd be fun if we just talk specifically about the features of YouTube, the past, present, and future. Or it's kind of like it's kind of like a Christmas Carol, you know, the, the ghosts of YouTube, past, present, and future. We'll talk about features we wish YouTube hadn't abandoned, and features we kind of wish would be retired. So put on your nostalgia glasses and join us on a trip down memory lane, 301 views at a time. Please welcome my co-host, Chad Reynolds. Thank you, Steve. I, uh, I have to admit that for a nostalgic person like myself, using the Wayback Machine in preparation of, of this podcast uh -huh. um, has been an absolute trip. I, I use Wayback Machine only periodically. And when I do, I get lost for just hours at a time. It, it's so weird to look back at that stuff. It it's really literally is. like rewinding time and and going back and and remembering what in this case YouTube used to look like right. um, in 2010 2011. So we went back, we uh, uh, we dug deep into the internet archives to look at our channels from times gone past, and uh, there's all the features that we remembered. And then while going through and doing this research, there's all the stuff that we ended up finding uh, that we had completely forgotten about. And probably the most significant one is the first thing that we should talk about, which is, do you remember custom channel layouts? Oh yeah, it was huge. Yeah. I mean, I was, because I, and you know, we're talking about the Wayback Machine. So I pulled up a couple of, of my YouTube channels from, or my YouTube channel from 2009 and, uh, and the one from, 2012. The one from 2012 is probably the most garish <laughs> that I did. So you could have the, the custom backgrounds on your channel page. And so mine was just filled with, with sawdust and, and then a picture of me up there pointing at the name of the channel. It's, it's kind of cringy looking. I seem to remember that the backgrounds worked on the Y axis, if I remember, as in they repeated downward. Or they, you had to make one massive, huge image and that's what it was. Yeah. Size the middle bit to 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 fit the contents because the middle bit was static at that time. It didn't really have the stretchability or or the adaptiveness of stretching to the screen. So you kind of always had the same amount of pixels to work with in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. But you know, those those backgrounds just got out of hand. And boy, I think see, this is one of the things that I think YouTube did the right thing here to get rid of those. And I, I at the time there was a lot of backlash from people. They did not want those backgrounds to be retired. And the graphic designer in me didn't want those backgrounds to be retired. Right. I hated the fact that I was going to lose control of what the background of our of our YouTube channel was going right. to look like. And everything was going to use, look uniform and we were all right. going to lose our unique identities. That's exactly the way it was. Everybody's uh, it all looks so the same and bland now. I don't want to I don't want to look at it. And um, but yeah, there were some of those that were, <laughs> were pretty pretty hard to look at. And up in the up in the banner though, you could have the and this I totally forgot about was the image mapping. 
you could put yes. hyperlinks in your the banner of your background. Back in the early days of HTML and websites and whatnot, I, I think you probably can still do it. Maybe it was image mapping or hot yeah. spots, I believe they were called. Right. So you could have a big image and then draw a little kind of layer on top of it. And that'd be an active area and you could send it. Remember, you could literally send people anywhere. You could just make those links be to a certain website and people could be on your YouTube channel and click the woodworking for mere mortals website and it would just send them away to it now they control that so much obviously they yeah. have uh, you you only get one kind of like authorized website that you can link out to and you need to prove it and whatnot but it was right. a wild west back then it was it was and i think one, one of the common themes about youtube features and how they retire them and is is how much backlash they always get from people and it's usually people i don't think that just haven't been on the platform long enough and back then nobody had been on the platform a long time but now i notice whenever they get rid of a feature or bring something new and it seems like the people who have been around the longest are kind of like okay <laughs> they just kind of roll with the punches it's kind of the nature of youtube we've seen this all before right <laughs> right right so while we're also talking about features and and features that went away, however, this is one feature that when it went away, I was very happy for it because I thought um, it started leading to some some real kind of suspicious activity, which was um, you used to be able to make reply videos oh, yeah. specifically to the video. So someone would release a, a video and upload it. And then uh, in uh, you could leave a comment was one option or uh, in the actual, I think it was in the comment box, you could turn on your webcam and record a response to that video, which would only be shown in the description kind of area of that particular video. So it wasn't um, uh, putting a, a video, uploading a video to YouTube and everybody can see it. Only people that would be able to see this video would be people who were watching the original video and the title of the video would be re uh, right. and then whatever the title name was kind of like an email chain works. Mm -hmm. uh, and then people realize that um, some people at least uh, of the female persuasion uh, realize that they could um, wear low cut tops and uh, respond to a video with even the most unrelated kind of uh, <laughs> chat. But so long as they showed off their ample bosom that they would end up getting a whole bunch of views. Hence the reply girls kind of period of YouTube, which was right. very dark. And I believe the reason why that feature ended up getting retired was mostly because of the abuse that was happening to it. Jeez, I didn't even know about that part. All I knew is I did do the video responses a little bit. I did, I had a contest a long, long time ago and you had to submit a video response and then it was um, so everybody could look at those video responses and then kind of judge them who should be the winner of this contest. I forget what it was. You had to make something or I don't know it was something really <laughs> innocuous on my channel I and mean, it was just woodworking but that was about the only time I used it but I know that the official reason why YouTube abandoned the video responses was that nobody what they were saying was basically nobody watched them it was like less than 0.04 percent of the views or something would come from a video response and it just wasn't worth you know all the, the infrastructure I guess to maintain that I don't know here was a really confusing one. Do you remember when they had friends? See, I didn't. YouTube? I never understood friends. I, and I neither still did don't. I. <laughs> I. And even when they retired friends, or I think they merged them with subscribers. Ultimately, yeah. right? Uh, I think you could be a friend of someone without being a subscriber. 
subscriber. Oh yeah, yeah. That's ended up how it worked, and they kind of had two different streams, but it was confusing as to why you were friending someone on a platform where you really couldn't interact with them outside of well, you know, watching think, and sharing videos. I think what happened is that it was uh, it was YouTube's attempt at making it more of like a social network kind of a thing. So what they had is friends on your. It's another feature they don't have anymore. Was they had like a discussion tab on your channel page where it was like a uh, kind of like a forum really where you it would just be an ongoing chat sort of back and forth and to in order to participate with that channel I think you had to be a friend with it so there were and I I think I mentioned this before but I remember when my son was like 10 or 12 years old his friends would would use that and that was basically all. they would have youtube channels they wouldn't post videos but they would just use that to talk about videos to talk to each other it was it's an interesting interesting time kind of like facebook works where you have a, a wall Do they still call them walls like you have your own wall and people post know. on your on your Probably. wall <laughs> i don't i think i'm really dating myself like i think it was myspace that called it a wall right uh, <laughs> uh but actually they and they moved from that and didn't they go into google plus or uh, do you remember oh, that google plus of time okay now google plus was the one that really that was the first genuine outrage among youtubers and and people who just watched youtube was that you were forced to set up a google plus page or account in order to use youtube that was the one that I was on the side of the people who were complaining. I had a pitchfork yeah, in me my soapbox. I, I was not happy about the fact of being forced to do it. Yeah. And they were trying to move the conversation over there for a while. And then they tried to turn the entire comment section into like a, they, a Google Plus. They did. They went hard on it for a while. For for a two-year period, they went very hard on Google Plus. <laughs> and it was a it was a lame duck out of the out of the gate. It was a lame duck. They so wanted to be the Facebook killer. And you know, Google Plus. Did you ever? I'm well. Obviously, you had a Google Plus account, but did you ever actually use the Google Plus social site? You know, I it remember was, being it, really confused about yeah, how it, it works. So, I mean, I think Facebook is confusing, but this thing was un. It was. It felt like it was just made by developers, and there was no insight into user. You know, because they're like, okay, you have to have friends, but then they're, you put them in circles, remember? And it was oh, like a, a Venn circles. diagram or something of <laughs> who was going to be part of your, of your Google Plus. And it was so uh, intrusive and overbearing. And they really went hard on making sure that like everybody signed up and they made it an obligation. And then it was tough because in order to change like your profile picture, your avatar, you had to go through and do it on Google Plus. Right. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and we would end up sharing our video as well. Like at, in the time where I was like, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook and share it on Google plus. And they were trying to encourage us to put it in our banners as like another, right. like, I remember stay, that. stay in your lane, YouTube. Like you ended up winning. You didn't need to become Facebook. No, no one likes Facebook anymore. And now everybody likes YouTube because you, you guys didn't do that. I think that, that that was the secret was to stay away from something. If like you were that. to find some YouTube videos of the time, I would have to look at about what that time period was when Google Plus was, you know, forced upon people and look through the comments. What you would see is there was a lot of these kind of comment memes, I guess, going around where people would just flood the comments with like, remember there was like Bob, there was like Philip or Bob and there was Bob. a little tank and he used yeah, to Yeah, the, like the little tank. Little... <laughs> 
<laughs> we're gonna have to find some some screenshots of that to, to yeah. I, I do remember I, I don't remember the word bob bob i think it, it was, was bob. bob here's bob like here's bob, bob in a tank like and yeah. he's like shooting google plus or something and it was it was just and you would copy and paste those in the comment section <laughs> Uh, while going through uh, the Wayback Machine, I think it was on your page from 2009, because we uh, we we didn't have anything from from quite that old, but you had um, honors, and that was one that I completely forgot about. And then when I, I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that's right, honors—the little badges that they used to put on people's YouTube profiles." Uh, to indicate people who had the top, you know, the most views in the month, the, the one of the most subscribed videos. And you used to get a little, uh, it wasn't a medal, like a little seal and be like, yeah. number three subscribed in all of America. Right, so they don't, right. yeah, yeah, they don't do that anymore, but they did do that for, for quite a while. I think it was the top 100 would actually get um, little badges to put on, well, not to put on, that would automatically pop up on their profile. But that's also when that they had that entire sidebar. Uh, we've talked about this in a past podcast where you had almost 10,000. Uh, that's where they used to track the amount of videos that you had viewed, how long you had been on the platform. And they also had when your last activity was. And I remember that one used to be really handy because you'd be able to see if a YouTube channel was active or not active by looking at the last time that they had come and done something on their channel right yeah it was actually that's actually not a bad idea <laughs> it's not is it it's actually a really good idea everybody should have a, yeah. oh, oh oh here's one okay and I, I alluded to this in the intro the 301 view count and now it wasn't a fe actually it's sort it's of not a feature it a glitch. was i mean it was it, from it a was. technical standpoint it was a feature and so those of you who have been around on youtube using youtube since well, when did they reach? When did they finally change? August it? 2015 is when they stopped. God, has it been that long? Oh, that man. So if you've been on YouTube for longer than five or six years, you you'll remember the 301 view count. And it was what would happen is when you would, whenever you posted a video, if it was a video that was fairly got quite a bit of traction. If you were had a video that would get you know five views a day or something, it, it wouldn't apply to that. But so it would start racking up your view counts and then it would stop when it got to 301. Sometimes it would be 302, it would be close to there. And you would always see people in the comments who, and they had to be people who just were new to YouTube or something. They'd say, I don't understand this. How is this only 301 views and there's you know 3000 comments or something? <laughs> but do you remember exactly the purpose of that? Could you, from a technical point? So, uh... In anticipation of this, I actually did a little bit of reading and I found uh, an interview with a Google employee and they mentioned that uh, it, it is kind of what we think it is. I think they do it in the background now for the most part. And I'm sure it's incredibly hard to do in real time at the scale that they have to do it. Yeah. But um, 300 views, I believe, was the, the amount of views a video would get to put it into a category, which would be like the top, like kind of 1%. We all get that millions of videos are uploaded every day to YouTube. But for the most part, there's a small percentage of videos which got uploaded every day that are going to get a huge amount of traction and a lot of views. There's a lot of videos that get uploaded that get 12 views, further to your earlier point. And way back in the day, and it's been this way for a very long time on this platform, it's a race to get as many views as possible. That has always been the perception of a good video is get as many views as possible. So people would do anything that they could and to ramp up 
the, the views as quickly as possible. So Google or YouTube decided to put in a period where they go through and they vet the views or they kind of just kind of make sure that everything's on the up and up with the traffic, where it's coming from, if it's unique IPs and da, da, da. And clearly that probably back in the day, five years ago, took a little bit of time to do. So they would race you on up to 301 views and then i remember for a while it would say 301 and there would be a little plus behind it right to, ins that was, yeah. to insinuate that you're well past 301 views but hold on everyone we're checking each one yeah. we're checking all of the ballots to make sure that each that's of the a, votes being counted correctly and it was because of, it was because advertising you know got in there and they wanted to make that's sure right. that those were valid views that there wasn't that's some right bots that were just racking <laughs> I'll allow us to to assure you it had nothing to do about making sure that the view counts are accurate. It came down to advertiser dollars <laughs> yeah. and making sure that the advertisers were happy and not, you know, getting uh, spammed viewed by some person's gaming channel who sends it out to all their friends and they okay. spam the, the, the views or whatever. So I used to way back in the day. 301 was 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 a good amount of views to get, but it usually took us a little while to kind of once you'd launched the video to get up to that point. So I used to gauge the success of a video based upon how quickly it got to 301 views. Um, I would know. It's like, oh, it only took 12 minutes. Last <laughs> week's video it took 14 and a half minutes, and I had a a, a, a big spread spreadsheet. I'm putting that in air quotations. I, I had a piece of paper and I had written down all of the video titles and how long it took to get to 301. And then they ended up changing that and that threw my entire system out the way. Yeah. And you know that it was a, uh, and you're right when you mentioned that they are kind of still doing this, but it, it's more hidden. I think they don't just put up the 301 view count thing because, and they still have to validate views and they have to, you know, it's all automated. Of course, there's not one <laughs> guy sitting there making sure they're real views, but they, but it takes time because there's such a flood it, when a video is released, there's such a flood of activity and all of these servers are, you know, bouncing around the world, just trying to, to count all these different views from around the world. And I noticed that even today, you'll look at uh, a video that you posted, you know, an hour ago and the view count on the watch page when you're actually watching the video is different than if you look at your creator studio yes. watch and it's the creator studio always has a much larger number. Like it's more accurate or something. The publicly displayed one is almost always lower. It almost seems like they have a buffer and they kind of drop it in, in kind of chunks. Now, sometimes you'll see your video kind of like you'll refresh it after 10 minutes and oh, it only got 10 new views. And then you'll wait another 10 minutes and refresh. And it's like, Oh wow, 2,200 new views. Right. So it seems to kind of go in a buffer and it takes time and, and they kind of move it almost in real time little yeah. chunks of, 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 I, I guess it, it like uh, the, earlier analogy of, of an election it's the exact same it thing is. like obviously you can't account for everything and it takes a certain amount of time to make sure everything is accounted for properly and correctly and all of the rest so um the plus wow, thing though, 301 the, views that was one really, plus was funny yes <laughs> they, like, don't they, worry you're not at 301 strangely and that's when everybody decided to stop watching your video we're right. just doing something in the background so just hang tight here's a little plus for you well, that was what it was because so many people were complaining about that and confused for a long, long time. People were confused about that. And so YouTube's solution was, I don't know, put a plus behind it. <laughs> 
one of the features that I realized was in the old YouTube and is still in the new YouTube uh, is annotations. Oh, and it seems yeah. like such a simple thing, but it that has always been the kind of the most important thing that YouTube can can do or, mm -hmm. or offer because you do have that limit to, like we talked about the wall and the ability to interact that way. Here's one thing on top of the video, which you put out that you can add some context or you can send links or you can uh, direct to whatever you used to have the ability to do this throughout the entire video. Um, just put up little annotation yeah. screens and there used to be different types of, of, of annotations that you, Why don't you describe up. that a little bit for anybody who's unfamiliar with what that was. So you would upload your video. Uh, and now when you upload your video, um, annotations come in the form of cards, I guess would be one, which right. is the little eye that pops up in the top right of the screen. And then the creator has the ability to fill that with other videos, other channels, or sometimes if it's an improved website, links to other websites. Right. So if you're that's when the one wherever you see the user say, click up here, and they're usually pointing. Click up here. And that's when that screen. little eye pops up. Exactly. Right. And then you can shoot that out. And it's an unintrusive way to kind of offer that context to the video, but it kind of puts it in a little panel, which you can expand. And however, back in the day, it was just all over the videos. <laughs> and it led to it led to two things. It led to a lot of creative videos, a lot of creative videos, because people could do choose your own adventures and you could break up the screen. And I believe you could have dozens of annotations on a screen. So yeah. you, from a creative standpoint, you really have the ability to do some interesting things. And people used to put in Easter eggs or little things or choose your own adventures and uh, upload a whole bunch of different videos. And you'd be able to go on these kind of like stories and this, that, and the other. And it was really fascinating. However, what usually kind of coincides with the creativity aspect is people taking advantage of it. So therefore it just started really getting abused and people would fill the screen actually for a brief time. They allowed users to contribute to the annotate. It's like open source annotations on it's a like, video. What are you thinking YouTube? I oh, think it was a, do it. if I, if I read it correctly, I think it was a beta that only lasted for like a couple of months because they realized what a shit show it had turned oh into, God, I know. but they allowed people who were watching the video to add annotations on the screen to the video. Now, again, you could turn off the annotations and you could turn on the annotations. So you didn't have to watch the video with the annotations, but the vast majority of users didn't know that. They were stuck with all of these annotations all over the screen. So they stopped that right quick. They moved it to the last 20 seconds of the video is now when you can do all of your card, or, uh, your call outs and all of the rest. They're called end screens now. Right. And they've put it specifically at the end and now creators know to do that. But no, back in the day, it was again the wild west people just annotations everywhere visit my website go here right. click this click that so there was a couple of things that were really useful with annotations and a lot of people use them the right way and this is something i kind of wish there was a way to do now is a lot of times and i would do it myself is use it to correct something in the video that you said or right. you got wrong or and you could just put up a little pop-up that would say this is really what i meant to say whereas now there's there's nothing you can do about it once your video is up there and you've made some sort of mistake even if it's just a minor mistake and you want to correct that you have to remove your video re-edit it and upload it again you've lost your view counts and all that stuff the other thing was the choose your own adventure kind of thing was fun and I think Mystery Guitar Man did one, was probably the first one I saw where it was really fun. I don't even remember what the theme was. So 
I decided to do one of those early on. And so I did that, uh, name that power tool. So it was, and it was just by the sound. And so what I would do is I would play a sound of a very, of a different power tool. And then I would give you the options down two different options. What was this that, or that? And so you would click on it and it would go to a different video and you would get the answer to that. And the funny thing about it was, is that I actually set up my second channel because of that particular video that I did, because my, you'll remember my actual channel name is Steve in Marin without the second E, it's Stev in Marin because I misspelled it. So when I set up that second channel, because when you hovered over the clickable annotations, you could look in the box down below and see like what the channel was or where it was gonna go. And so I had it go to a different one, and so I had, I added that extra E. So it looked similar. You couldn't tell, but that way I could keep all of that whole mess of support videos that went along with that on a separate channel. So it wouldn't clog up <laughs> my, my main channel. And because as soon as you start doing those choose your own adventure things, you've got to be really careful or it just, that tree grows massive of all the different possible solutions that you can have to it. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. And now because they eliminated the, even the ability to see those annotations anymore, the videos, any of those videos are just dead. You can't, you can't do anything with them now because it's just th- all of a sudden a guy standing there saying, click here and there's nothing. nothing to I thought that was kind of a sad um, fallout of all yeah. of this was uh, there's a lot of content. I know Jack's films used to do videos like that. And there yep. was a few YouTubers, which, you know, really, really. And like you said, the amount of effort, the amount of editing effort and the organization <laughs> from literally just from an organizational standpoint, trying to like facilitate all of that work with all the thumbnails and have it. So it's visually different when you're going through and adding all of the annotations and whatnot. Wow. That one, that one really took me back actually. Cause I, I do remember um, annotations all over the place and thinking like, I don't think, I think this is going to kind of get out of control and it's very distracting. And sure enough, it was, I, I think it's an excellent example of like still being able to provide those features for people, but they moved it away from something which in, like yeah, interferes you, with the actual viewing experience. It was like too large of a, an approach they took to remove it all. If they just kept the, I think that the, really, I think the one feature is if you could just somehow add just a single pop-up here and there yeah. to correct errors. I mean, doesn't need to go to another video. It doesn't need to go to a website. It doesn't need to do anything, but uh, it's something to slap over. So therefore, if you've spelled something wrong or if you uh, made a bad, you know, like an incorrect kind of reference to something to be able to clarify that, I agree, to be able to add that like extra level of of kind of final touches to a video, there is is value to it. But yeah, (laughs) we talked about five stars. I know we've talked about that before, but I did mm-hmm. want to mention that one. That one was the that one was one that I really liked because I like the nuance of right. giving something four out of five or two out of five. Yeah. And apparently they stopped it because they realized that the majority of people did five stars or one star. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Most people but didn't take the time. There's no the middle ground. I don't think a video is as black and white as thumbs up or thumbs down. And I think you lose nuance when you don't give people at least five levels of acceptance of a video. I find when it's literally just on or off, 
you lose a lot of nuance. <laughs> and it didn't seem like there was any harm in the fact that most people were using it as a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of thing. Like people were just yeah. either doing one or the other because there was still at least the nuance of the other people who would do that. Like imagine if that was an Amazon review. Like, could you just be like, oh, this is a thumbs up product or a thumbs yeah. down product? No context needed. You either <laughs> like it and approve it and you'll yeah. recommend it or the complete opposite. And that's kind of where, where YouTube seems to be right now. And that's what I think was uniquely available earlier with the five-star rating system, but I'm probably just an old man. Well, I don't know exactly if, I don't know if that's a good enough reason for them to give that it's like, well, people only click one or five stars. Is it, or is there really more, was there a re another reason why they got rid of those? I'm not sure. I think other than just because Facebook was doing the likes and, you know, uh, maybe. Perhaps, perhaps, but I mean, even Facebook doesn't have uh, the thumbs yeah, the down button. So they dislike. went with the dislike yeah. and I get it. You're putting a video, at, at, like, I get it that you do need that. It's not like a, a, a Facebook post where of course there's probably no real reason to dislike someone's Facebook post. Yeah, I mean, it, That's what that's designed for. A video seems to be more kind of like um, larger consumption and you, you, you kind of want to, eh, anyways. Let's digress on five stars and move <laughs> on to the moving subscribe button. Do you remember yeah. making videos and not knowing where to point? Do you remember pointing up to the top left for the first three years of your YouTube career? And then you had to point down to the bottom right and then you had to point to right. the side and then they moved it and then they changed the color. <laughs> <laughs> That's so the true. Moving subscribe button. Yeah, you could tell those videos that people are always like a point you click somewhere everybody was just vaguely gesturing to all around the screen to to click to subscribe right in 2016 melissa there's there's a video i'll see if i can find it there's a video of melissa and she just for like a minute she had no idea so she pointed to every single conceivable part of the <laughs> screen she's like if it's here click here if it's here click here down here click here <laughs> the moving subscribe button and we all learned to just stop with the pointing to the subscribe button in any particular direction and if you do want to ask people to subscribe just ask them to subscribe just say subscribe if somebody's understands the whole concept of subscriptions they'll figure it out <laughs> somehow this one they just ended user submitted captioning Remember, you, users, that's right. So if you're a Polish person, you'd be able to go and contribute. Yeah. Why did they would, stop that? They stopped it. I think this year, maybe because I think they were again, people were, and you know, there's no way of knowing if somebody posts something, you know, in a different language, you don't know what exactly they're saying in there, and so. True. I think maybe that was part of the problem, but I think yeah. the only person that I saw who was using those, um, and the reason why I loosely know them is uh, it was PewDiePie and mm. PewDiePie has such a large community that yeah. his he literally had like 60 or 70 in different languages for almost okay. all of his videos in Polish da, 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 da. Um, so I guess that's that's where it's working well but yeah. uh, on the large scale I, I I can't I can't I can't see how that is a, a feature that kind of most people would would know about or, or contribute yeah. to. So I can that see how weird... that might be a bit of a loss leader for them. It's kind of an obscure attempt. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to present features. I'm going to start with what I think is probably single-handedly the best feature that YouTube has ever introduced. Hmm. When they introduced it, I was so happy. And that is a channel trailer. Oh. It is when, because it always used to be like, uh, which video would I feature and da da da? Right. But when they started with the best practice of like, hey, make a little 
video, which will right. specifically play. And that's what I love about it. They will specifically just play it to this. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, this is my video. And when people who come and subscribe, they're always going to see the same video when they come to the Clean MySpace YouTube yeah. page. But this, you had the ability to be like, if you're a subscriber, here's my latest video. And if you're new here, here's a special video that I put together with my greatest hits or like whatever it is. And this is the video that I want, you know, kind of showcased on my channel. How often do you guys change your channel trailer? Well, interesting, because as much as I just touted how amazing a channel trailer is, we also now more so use that to help promote the latest video. Mm -hmm. um, or occasionally I will just go through analytics, find the video which organically generates the most amount of subscribers. And whether I like it or not, I use that as the channel trailer. So we've used the same video for I'd say the past three years, it just happens to be one yeah. of our videos, but That's the intro of said video ended up sounding a lot like what would make a very good channel trailer. Melissa's like, I've been a, da, 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 I wrote a book and da, da, da. my job on YouTube is to, and so that video just happened to get a lot of subscribers organically because of the way that she mentioned what she mentions at the beginning of the video. So we use that as our channel trailer. Have you ever made a channel trailer? Yeah, I had one channel trailer that I used for years and it was so it was so dated. I mean, I just never changed the thing until I think it was about two years ago and then I posted and it wasn't a specific trailer. It was just a, a video kind of like what you were saying that seemed to encompass what my channel was about. And it was like 18 things new woodworkers need to know, something like that. So that's my channel trailer now. And I get, you know, so many views off of that thing, I'm sure, because it's used as a channel trailer. But I see a lot of YouTubers doing that now where they won't really make a specific trailer, but they'll just use kind of a representative video of the, of the uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fruitful exercise for anybody who has a YouTube channel is wondering what to use, go through your analytics, search yeah. your best videos by the amount of subscribers that they generate organically. So they're out there in the wild doing their things. There's clearly going to be a few anomalies of things that work. A, it helps for any kind of future content production, but more so that's the kind of stuff that you want being the first and foremost video that people see. So that's why I really like channel trailers because it really seemed to uh, be an incredibly empowering thing for creators to kind of decorate their house. And it kind of, we were talking earlier about stripping away all of the customization that you, you, you could have, yeah. you know, changing your background or changing some of the banners or whatnot. Like we still have a few of those things, but the channel trailer is one space where you can, you, you know, you have people's attention. So it's a, it's a great place to put a video, which is going to be high impact. We talked about cards and end screens. So I don't think we need to talk about that anymore, but one recent one, which I really like is video chapters. I use them mm. in all of our videos now and people absolutely love them. It started off just as timestamps yeah. uh, quite a while. A while ago, I would pin the top comment being the timestamps of all of the interesting kind of points in, in one of our videos. Uh, and then they started doing these formal chapters. And now when you hover over the 
scrub bar or whatever they call it on YouTube, you can actually yeah. see the different sections of the video. It's particularly handy on those very long videos where you, you yeah. just want to get to the, the, the point, the, you know, the part which they're referring to in the, the title of the video and yeah. you don't need all of the other stuff. So it's kind of nice to be able to scroll through and kind of see where that part is. It helps to eliminate the, that, that snotty comment, you know, the one that says video starts at two point, oh. you know, two minutes, 20 seconds or whatever. <laughs> it's not I like replying to those comments and being strange we made it so it started at 0.00 <laughs> but i use those i use the the chapters I just, i'm a little i'm trying to develop a better strategy for it that is more i don't want to say clickbaity but i think that the chapter the chapter titles need to have a little bit of mystery to them because i know i've watched list videos for instance and i just want to kind of know oh what are those lists of like top 10 movies you'll watch on a plane or I don't know, <laughs> something like that. And so I can use that, that sliding chapter bar and I'll go, Oh, there's the first movie. There's the second one. And I can really just see them all. I don't really need to watch the video because of those chapters. So I'm trying to sort of be mindful of that. Really what I'm trying to do is just keep enhance the viewer experience to my videos. If somebody does it, especially now, since I'm doing these more vlog videos uh you know if somebody doesn't want to watch me opening viewer mail they know how they can skip over that and so it's just a more of a i don't know just a, a nice thing to do i think and i'll be honest youtube has spent the past 15 years having people yell at them for how ridiculous <laughs> their decisions have been how stupid their features are i will go on record as saying right now youtube has an amazing set of features um I was just about to mention the um, comment moderation single-handedly what they've done with being able yeah. to moderate your comments, take care of trolls, people like that, the amount of however much development has in time has gone into that. It has certainly shown because um, one of my favorite current features uh, on top of the channel trailers is the ability to mute trolls <laughs> that's what, it's I, I subtle love it. love it it's subtle because it they're they're the only ones who see their comments so the, it's not like deleting someone's comment and then they get the um uh, they get the benefit of knowing that you either read it and then deleted it or you mm. acknowledged it in some way and then you got rid of it because it offended you or you didn't want it, 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 it at least gives them that acknowledgement the best part about just high hiding people from the channel. I love it. Is it just sends them into their own little echo chamber. So it <laughs> looks so like their comment, but their comment gets no traction because no one else can see it. So they can come back and visit over and over and over again. Just like continually give us views every time they come back to check their troll comment. So all of you who are listening, who leave troll comments, <laughs> you're just getting muted. No one's listening. And all you're doing is giving the person more ad revenue as you go back to check it's hilarious it's like it's like sending them into a corner it's like putting them in a corner of a room where they go hey guys hey guys hey guys look at me look at me and nobody right. is paying attention and you could just put a little <laughs> silo around them and they will just entertain themselves for hours on end so that i think is amazing and i love the way that they did it they didn't make it where you ban someone you didn't do this they don't get strikes you just literally just put a cup on the spider and you don't need to worry about it any longer. Let me ask you about playlists. Do you, because that's a feature that has been around, I'm pretty sure since the beginning of YouTube, yes. maybe, maybe like 2006, maybe they didn't have it in 2005, but do you, um, because that's a feature that's never going to go anywhere. That's, that's the permanent feature, I'm sure. Do you, 
one, how do you, do you spend a lot of time organizing your own videos in, in playlists? And two, as a user, do you really use playlists? As a user, I never use playlists. Yeah, I don't either. I'm a very selfish and focused and um, abrupt YouTube user. I come get what I want and I bounce. I'm very right. good at trying not to go down rabbit holes and whatnot. So I find that really helps just kind of come and get, get what you're looking for. So I don't have time to continue on your playlist. However, I've we've had um, a YouTube partner managers for long enough yelling in our ear to yep. be like put everything in playlists mm -hmm. when you link things put them in a playlist pin a comment at the top of you know all of your new videos linking to a playlist of related videos get people into playlists playlists are good so uh, like yeah. i clearly get that we did that heavily in 2015 when we really put a lot of focus into like these types of things and really trying to be in tune not saying that we don't now but we certainly did a lot more of that back then and i put a lot of work into playlists however we're at a point now where our playlists are very dated they're all from 2016 yeah. and they I have 500 yeah. videos in them and they're kind of like a mishmash so um one of my over the holiday break jobs is to go through and do some serious decluttering and organizing of our playlists what about you I have playlists and I also did this thing where, and this was also back when I had a YouTube partner manager and she, you know, advised me to set up like as many playlists as you can possibly set up. I mean, and it doesn't even matter if, and this is a weird thing. It's like, it's not about even people watching those playlists. Yeah. It's just about having them. So I was setting up playlists for those the most obscure category, you know, like woodworking projects for this corner of your kitchen, or, you know, I don't know what it was, but like super, and where there'd be like three videos in it, you know, and just having all of these, there's channels that have hundreds of playlists, you know, I mean, they just put a playlist for everything, but I don't do that anymore. I don't, I'll only add to playlists that I think are relevant that a viewer might actually watch. But I don't, and it, this also plays to another a current feature of YouTube, and I don't know, it's been around for a while, is the autoplay feature. I know on playlists, they have the autoplay. You can check or uncheck where it just goes one to the next to the next, and I don't like having things autoplay. But one uh, part of YouTube I use is the watch later, because a lot of times yes. I'll look through my home page, home feed, or my subscription box, and I think, well, that looks interesting. I'm going to just watch it later. And those there's no way of turning off that autoplay feature on there. And that just kind of bugs me. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Netflix thing, you know, where it just wants to go right into the next, uh, the next movie or whatever. Without giving me any warning whatsoever <laughs> or any time to digest or turn the sound down or anything. All of a sudden I'm watching, yeah, the Queen's Gambit. Um, I One that I didn't really much use until recently. And now I find myself using it all the time because we mentioned it in a podcast and a bunch of people uh, mentioned that that's how they always watch videos is uh, look, uh, watching videos with different playback speeds, speeding up the playback right. of a video. Yeah. And okay, so here's the thing with this. Once you start doing it, mm. it's very difficult to go back to listening to stuff at real time. Mm. Um, especially because, uh, the, like the cadence, like, especially like cadence of like the conversation that we're having, I guess you could digest it in 20 minutes if you listen to it at three times speed, 
but then listening to anything else at one time speed, you, you yeah. seem like you're in slow motion world. Like it, you really do notice how slow it is normally. Um, and I get it. If I'm just trying to do research and I want to plow through a 20 minute interview, I, I, I don't, it, it's, it's fine to listen to, but it's weird to listen to it. Once you kind of go back to one X, yeah. do you listen to videos depends, at different speeds? It depends upon the video. It, it, like you said, if it's more of a, hmm, you know, and I don't, I don't even know how to categorize how I do that. There's a lot of videos where I think I, I can just get the information faster, but there's some videos that are edited in such a way with so many quick jump cuts and there's hardly people will edit. So there's hardly any pauses. And if it's something where they're trying to show me how to do something, then I need, it's like, I kind of get overwhelmed. I have to have time to, to digest what they're saying. And so on those, I'll slow them down. As a rule, I watch them at normal speed. I would say maybe 20% of the videos I watch is at one and a half times speed. What is that influence? Do you think, do you think it's because of the, like the, the, the mentality, the, like the Instagram mentality or the TikTok mentality of just like next, 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 next. I mean, we talked about like the autoplay and it's yeah. just about like getting stuff, like it's about consuming stuff as quickly as possible. And it almost kind of steps away from like worrying about whether there's quality in there or not. Yeah. It's about, it's almost know, like just assimilating the largest amount of quantity in the least amount of time. And then just being like, wow, I managed to watch a 60 minute video in 20 <laughs> minutes. And maybe I lost a lot of context and nuance of the conversation, but like I got all the important points. So, I mean, I'm certainly not being like, you shouldn't do it one yeah. way or the other. It just, when I first heard it, I'm like, wow, that sounds so strange that people would watch yeah. other people's context or like content at, at such a fast <clears throat> speed. Uh, and then I started doing, I'm like, oh, I certainly get the benefit get it, yeah. of doing it. I get to plow through a lot more stuff, but I don't know. A lot of it, it feels like it's almost like consumption just for the sake of consumption. Like, I just got to get this in. You're just like hoovering it all up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's sort of, it sort of is. Hey, do you, do you use closed captioning? No. Well, Google does, or YouTube does a very good uh, kind of like, uh, automatic version. The auto captioning is uh, auto captioning a lot is better. A lot better than it was even a couple years ago. That thing is constantly improving. But I know also one of the things a lot of like YouTube uh, experts, I guess, is that what you call somebody who's always, you know, telling you how to work YouTube? They always tell you you should caption every video by hand. And I did that for a while. In fact, for a while, I actually hired somebody to do that. And then I didn't notice any difference in the, you know, number of views or watch time or anything. It just seemed like a kind of a pointless task that was just eating up time and effort. And so, and the auto captions are pretty good. They're a lot better than they used to be. And they're pretty, they're pretty close to accurate. Aside from obviously yeah. sometimes when you kind of slur some words together and whatnot, it turns into a bit of a word jumble, but for the most part, they're bang on. And it also shows and some creators knew this well before uh well before automatic captions were were so um prevalent on the platform they knew that uh, youtube had the ability to listen to what you were talking about in your videos mm -hmm. uh, it's the exact same technology that they're using to transcribe the videos yeah. but it was also being used to 
uh, help determine the relevancy of people's titles and thumbnails and other aspects. And it was the one thing that people couldn't control. Like you can, of course, title something, anything and put a thumbnail on anything. And if you manage to get away with it, great. But the thing that you can't change is what you actually talk about in the video. And now there's no more like pulling the wool over YouTube's eyes. Right. With, I, I titled it, you know, such and such and such and such. And there are some uh, savvy YouTubers. It was usually the people that were in the kids space trying to like clickbait views or, yeah. or or in whatever kind of like undesirable space it might be uh and they would you know spam the whatever but they would also be uh they would also be smart enough to mention those words in the actual video so therefore it ends up being like okay clearly these keywords are being talked about in the video so it ends up adding to the relevancy but it also adds to the search engine optimization aspect of it and i got to applaud YouTube for taking care of the trans, like the automatic transcriptions before I had to get off of my lazy butt and do it myself. I was yeah. hoping that the technology would catch up and be like, ah, it'll right. just be done automatically. It is pretty easy to follow along. I actually use those captions for, you know, how when you're scrolling through videos and if you pause over one, it starts playing. Yes. And you can read it there. I've actually watched entire videos just in that little scrolling feed just because, and the captions are on there. I can read it, read along. And it's all about not actually needing to watch a video. These days. <laughs> it's about trying to get away from sitting down and just yeah. watching a video. Well, and people used to, people used to post videos like funny captioning mistakes or something and the, and but and they, and they they would use that as an excuse of like well it's worthless but it's not because you put it into context you see those words that are misspelled or they got the wrong thing but you still understand what it's about you know if you if you're a normal logical human it's not that difficult another one that i really liked that they came out with recently um was the um community tab Finally, an ability oh. to, we were talking earlier about the wall. This is kind of the new version of the wall. Yeah. And your ability to post links um, outside of YouTube, which is great. And it shows up in people's feeds. So I've noticed we've had um, Antonio, Real Men, mm -hmm. Real Style on the show. And he uses, he uses it like every day. He works it. And I think we actually even mentioned this to him. He has some, uh, he has people who like are like, tapped in and tuned in yeah. to the latest and greatest of youtube so if you want to know it's not necessarily antonio directly but he's got he's got people and yeah. his people know all the latest and greatest so I need he's people a, i need people he's a great <laughs> user of community posts i use community posts you i think now kind of yeah actually uh, and I recently do, have been a convert to community i do posts. have my i do have people actually doing that well, i have a person doing that <laughs> <laughs> she's a good person but um, we've, we're experimenting with what to put on there. And I know that polls are work, work out really well, yeah. um, you know, to ask a question. Although I have to, I, I got to come up with some good ones to put on there. And so we're still kind of working with those community posts. At first, when that feature came out, I thought, uh-oh, does this mean that your entire home and, and subscription feed is just going to be become... Full. It's just going to become Facebook. It's just going to become, or Instagram with just a bunch of pictures. And it it hasn't become that and not so, many people are t uh, for whatever reason not many people we bring up antonio for that reason not yeah not many people are using this well feature. i think a lot at it first it feels I, intrusive as a creator i feel like i, I use it very sparingly i yeah. try my best to use we use animated gifs so therefore just visually mm -hmm. i try to 
we tried to make it so therefore if you just watch the gif it would kind of show you to do something or a little trick or whatever so it's at least providing some kind of value outside of just using it as another hey go watch this right. video and share it that way or whatnot behind the scenes photos are good or like little kind of clips mm -hmm. or in the case of uh, when melissa was on the podcast that's a great way to promote another video without really kind of right. like making a video about it or or doing some whatever now you kind of have this little kind of community post like bulletin board where you can kind of put up links to other interesting things i'm i'm down with community posts i'm just really surprised that most most large creators aren't using it more right and it, it'll be interesting to see see where that where that goes there's a some a lot of times and what youtube seems to be doing <laughs> i don't either for, for better or worse is they're they're trying to catch up with other platforms so they've come out with now well first it was stories right because yep. <laughs> because yep. well first snapchat did it then instagram did it and then youtube's like oh we should do stories and now the shorts which are still in beta in india the actual shorts you can still do them you just have to put a hashtag shorts in your title shoot a vertical video i know it's another thing that antonio is experimenting with right now and i've seen other creators experimenting with the shorts but all these things like that they seem reactive on yeah. youtube's part so it'll be interesting to see how that fleshes out and um, do you do stories on, on no. uh, YouTube? Nope, not there yet. No stories, no yeah. shorts, no nothing. Don't yeah. quite understand how to use them. I'm well versed in the Instagram story phase, but it's that's because, well, you can swipe up to go to any link. And I like that flexibility a lot more than just constantly sending people just to, I mean, it, it has been YouTube's Achilles heel just being able to send people into the platform and yeah. not like needing like protecting people from from like going off of platform and a lot of the reasons why we would need that would be to go to makers clean or to go right. to cleanmyspace.com and they just they don't really allow that so we do that through instagram stories which seems to have a much um more authentic community it of people who are right. doing that yeah, it, it feels, feels right. like we're trying to do it because it's working on instagram on Instagram, the stories are right there on top and it's, it's really easy yeah. to see on YouTube. The stories are, once you start scrolling through, then they, they put them like halfway through your, and it's, I never, do you ever watch stories? No, never. And, and that's what I'm getting. Videos. I use YouTube yeah. to watch videos. Okay. Here's a huge, huge change. Actually, there's a couple of changes that have happened and this, this applies to creators. This has, is nothing for the user and it has to do with adpocalypse and it went back to a couple of years ago when there was the whole meltdown of advertisers not wanting their ads showing on videos that were deemed you know inappropriate so what youtube instituted and this is also part of the coppa is that what it is the children's coppa coppa one of the two and we talked to shannon about this a little bit too but for people who don't know now when you upload a video to YouTube, there's a lot of screens you've got to go through and questionnaires. And first of all, you got to ask if you are, you have to reply if you want to monetize your video. So then when you do want to monetize, then you've got to pick out what kinds of ads you want, whether it's the skippable ones, the non-skippable ones. And what they're doing now is the mid-roll ads. So... <laughs> That's something that I think, and by default, 
it inserts those and anything over well, how long is it? The it's mid -roll? eight minutes now. It used to be 10 minutes and now it's right. eight minutes. And you used to have to do it manually. Right. Uh, but now they really push for the, just let us do it. And strangely, since they've started doing it kind of in that automatic way, it seems like there's a lot, they put a lot more ads in one of our videos than I think I would be comfortable putting in so there. Do you, so you check that, or you leave that checked about the mid-roll ad. Do you allow those on your videos or is it on a video by video basis? Um, we always, we, we, we will do whatever. I mean, it was always, if you get 10 minutes, you get to insert, you know, a, a mid roll yeah. ad, you could, I think you could insert up to four or something like that. We did it where we would put a, a mid roll ad in the middle somewhere. Um, if it was a 10 minute or longer video, if it was like a 20 minute long video, we'd maybe put two mid roll ads, but now it seems that, uh, even with the eight minutes, uh, they put like three mid roll ads into an average really kind of video now. Yeah. They're very aggressive with it. I don't know if you've just noticed in general, there's, there's also a lot more of the two ads before playing a video, even well, see, I don't, and I don't get, I don't see any ads cause I do YouTube premium. I haven't seen ads it's back when it was YouTube red. As soon as that became available, I signed up. So I never have any ads. So I'm not always kind of, I'm never really sure what the state of the art is on ads interrupting videos. And well, I personally, when I think about it, I uncheck that mid roll ads on my videos. Sometimes I just forget about it because it defaults to that. And then they, and I've never had anybody complain about it. So I don't know if it's, I'm not really sure. It's the only of, one I manually check for sure, because they don't automatically check it for you is the ad at the end of the video. Yeah. And you can insert an ad once the video has played. And I realize how many of those ads I end up kind of consuming without even really thinking about it. So now, well, we have for quite a while activated those, those end of video ads, as it were. Uh, but it's interesting that you bring up the uh, YouTube premium because that in itself is kind of a feature. You, we now have the ability right. to surf YouTube with no ad interruptions whatsoever, which must make the viewing experience um, oh, considerably different. How long have you been a premium member? Oh, ever since it first started. When it was called YouTube Red, it started out and you could, I think it's like $15 a month or something, maybe, I, I don't know. And as a creator, you still get, uh, you still monetize those views. In other words, you get a portion of a viewer who's watching it on YouTube premium, you get a portion of that uh, price they pay, you know, monthly premium. So you still get paid when somebody watches it, even though they're not watching ads, you get a portion of that fee. So it's kind of like how artists get paid through Spotify I and, and the monthly something... premiums and the, they get a fraction yeah. of a penny or whatnot. Yeah. But I, you know, I think everybody should, I mean, obviously it's a cost you may not want to put up with, but if you watch a lot of YouTube, it's worth it. I think because you just, you, you don't have to sit through those ads. You don't have to say, you know, wait for, what is it? Three seconds, <laughs> click away, stop. And does it, red still exist or red became? It that? became premium. Yeah. So there's no more red. No. Originals. And that, you know, now I, premium originals or YouTube as, originals, I guess. Well, that's another thing is that, and that was, I don't know, are YouTube originals, is that still a thing? I'm not even sure if that's a past feature now or if that's a real, if that's a present feature. I don't know. I know, I know that, that YouTube is starting to approach, um, you know, uh, being able to stream 
uh, uh, football matches and certain teams and that like they're starting to get into that arena now where when right. you know MLB contract like view, uh, viewership contracts start coming up you're gonna start having YouTube be a, a legitimate player in these kind of spaces which is kind of crazy to think that well they also that have level. they also have YouTube TV which I also signed up for as soon as it was available and that's a streaming service uh, similar to, I guess, Hulu would be the closest mm. thing, Philo, where you can watch local TV. You know, I got it so I could watch football games. And plus you get other channels on there and stuff. But I, I stopped subscribing to YouTube TV because everything I could get there, I was getting on Hulu already with the exception of a couple minor things that I didn't really care about. So now I just have the YouTube or the Hulu service instead of YouTube TV. So I don't know, it's, it's weird. And one other thing about the about those upload screens also was the ad suitability. And I, I just thought this would be interesting for anybody who watches YouTube but doesn't upload to YouTube. What is asked? Now, every time you upload a video, you have to answer. Does it have inappropriate language, adult content, violence, shocking content, harmful or dangerous acts, drug-related content, hateful comment, firearms related content, sensitive issues, or none of the above. Now, naturally my videos are always none of the above. I check it and it's super easy for me to do that. But I just wonder how many people would check hateful comment that are content that like recognize their own content is like, you know, this is pretty hateful. I better they know their the audience. <laughs> they know the advertisers that they want to appeal to. <laughs> and they're just going to wear that hate with pride, I guess. And at the same time, on a separate box, then aside from that, you have to check whether there's any children in your video or not. And then that was the one that Shannon was saying is the don't, don't pay me checkbox. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> click right. that I one. don't need monetization. Thank you. Checkbox. Right. <laughs> You know, while we went through all of this, one of the features that I stumbled across that is currently being used that I had no idea about, I'd never seen in my life, were bedtime reminders. Oh, Have you ever heard of these? Not until you mentioned it. And I thought, I never have heard of this thing. It's kind of weird. I guess it kind of makes sense. It's a sign for, of the times. It maybe is a sign of a time. Maybe indeed it is. But uh, it, essentially, you can uh, go in your settings and set the app, the YouTube app, I guess it would be, to give you an alert, you know, 15 minutes before your bedtime. And then I guess just stop streaming or just stop working or close down or, or maybe something changes at a certain point. But you can basically set yourself a reminder to stop watching YouTube after watching too much YouTube right, right before going to bed. Even Absolutely. though that's not healthy in the first place. Aren't you supposed to take a few hours in between... Yeah. It's a, looking at a screen before you this actually is all part of that right. social dilemma this is, all, is. Like, put the phone down it is take a break it from it hey let's talk about the future of youtube let's talk about what we would ideally like to see in the coming years with youtube and i know my number one because i've had it and i'm sure i've said it several times on this podcast before Get rid of the dislike button. Oh. There's no need to have a dislike button. Totally if you want to narrow it down from five stars and just make it be a thing or another thing, then just make it be the one thing. You either approve of it or by not approving it, right. <laughs> therefore that's fine. But you you certainly don't need a, a dislike button when you only have two options. But maybe that's just me. 
It would also be a great way to sort videos. If you went to a channel's list of videos, one of the things you could sort by was likes. And so you would just see the most liked video on the channel and it has nothing to do with dislikes or anything. But I, I totally think they should get rid of that thumbs down. It's such a, just a negative vibe about that. It doesn't do anything. They've clearly moved towards the fact where it's a bar and we all now associate a quality video, not so much with the like-dislike ratio, but more of the visualization of how long the green bar is. Yeah. And you can do the same by having the amount of views be divided by or like in factor in the amount of likes based upon the amount of views. You would get the same kind of thing. The amount of viewers that liked this video versus how many people watched it is going to give you a bar and that'll kind of set the bar for like what the, but having, keeping track of the people who consumed a piece of content and didn't like it for any given reason ends up being such a, a non-contextual unnecessary stat to put out there if that makes sense like well, all you're trying to do is show that like yes if someone uploads something which is complete crap it's clearly going to have a bunch of dislikes but you can probably do the exact same thing by having the video have a thousand views and only one like right you have the same impact yeah. as opposed to literally the, the 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 social interaction of like i dislike that it just seems very negative and it doesn't tell the creator anything because there's you know myriad reasons why somebody might dislike a video and what is it is it just that they don't like the actual like for me is when i put out woodworking videos and i get dislikes and i always wonder is it just because of my presentation on that particular video or is it the project itself they don't like or there's a lot of different things and it would be helpful if there was some sort of a maybe kind of a general checklist. I don't like this video because poor quality video, That's one would one. be one or second would be, I don't like the information or, you know, there could be like three or four different possible answers. Interestingly, they have all of those selections available and they have a lot of context and nuance when you're dealing with spam, like reporting spam. They'll be like, do you right. not like this because it's pornography, because it's spam, because it's hateful conduct, because it's graphic violence, because it's pornography. And they give you a range to be like, I you're dislike right. this. Because to your point, we just released a video like two weeks ago and it was Melissa showing people how to clean their, their bedroom in a short period of time or something along those lines and she was sitting on the bed and didn't really think twice of it but she had, she had her slippers she had her slippers on and she was sitting cross-legged on the bed and that just triggered this large group of people just to be like i can't believe you have your slippers on the bed and they disliked the video for that so it's like wow. should people who watch this video in a year from now come back look at the dis to like have this metric of like oh here's the dislikes and have all of these people who didn't like the video not based upon the information that was being delivered or the production value or any of that but because they don't like the fact that melissa wore slippers on the bed it kind of throws such an irrelevant blanket over the dislike thing to begin with it does it does one of the things i'd like to see go in the future is well i don't think it would be going it would be a new thing that i'd like to see youtube implement is doing more with dead and dormant channels people who have set up youtube channels and haven't touched them in years or something and so you you have your subscribers and a lot of these are just channels that barely you know, either somebody hasn't checked in on it in, in 10 years or it doesn't you know they never do anything 
as a creator, it would be helpful if you could weed out channels, subscriptions that aren't really doing anything with their subscriptions. They don't watch your video. They don't participate. Um, I know a lot of YouTube creators probably wouldn't like that because it would lower your subscription count, but it would be more useful if you could actually get rid of those. And I know YouTube kind of does this from time to time. It'll, it, you've seen those notices on your creator studio where it says, we're trying to remove, clean out old channels or something. But I think we have one coming up, actually. There's, there's one coming up. Just and I never notice weeks. a huge drop. I don't notice a huge change in subscribers when that happens. So I don't know how what their criteria is, but I kind of, I don't know. I wish there was a way that you could, I guess I, what I'm looking for is a way to really drill down deeper into who the subscribers are. I mean, not obviously who the people are, but what they're doing rather than like just a, a subscriber is just somebody who pushed a button that said subscribe or That's a second cool. tier. They, they, they tried to do the thing with the bell icons be like, there's a subscriber. And then there's a subscriber who is click the bell notification. Yeah notification notifier and those people now actually so you can subscribe without getting a feed you can subscribe with getting a feed versus i think what you're driving at which is here's my million subscribers here's the you know whatever 35,000 people who are actively engaged in my content you can do it with like your email lists if you use mailchimp or any of right. those kind of you yeah. can go through and be like i don't want to i don't want to have to pay like a subscription service to have 10,000 people on an email list if those people aren't doing anything for me. So we go through and we like we prune our email list. It'd be nice to maybe kind of do it. Yeah. It would it would give more substance and more context to the subscriber number for sure. Because you'd have a lot of older channels which would then probably have those things kind of sponged away quicker and they would it would be more uh, it would make it be more substantial how many subscribers you have as opposed to just everybody has a million because everybody's has a there's a billion you know youtube accounts out there so having a million subscribers doesn't really mean much anymore and i think lastly will there ever be something that comes to replace YouTube. Uh, you know, everybody's always saying, oh, and you know, this is kind of goes back to every time there's a new feature and people are like, you know, pitchforks and torches and we need a replace. We need somebody to kill. Guys, go check out Vimeo. It's amazing. And they don't, <laughs> they don't censor us like YouTube remember, does. Remember Blip? Blip. That was another one. Yeah. Ustream. I mean, there was, I, we could probably, that's an entire podcast in itself of people who have come along and tried to, take yeah. the crown as it were but i don't, I don't think that i don't think it's going to happen i don't think there's going to be another video service at least i can't imagine it especially anytime soon probably i don't even think in the long term there's going to be any service that's going to adequately replace youtube because youtube has such a large infrastructure and has already done all of the work getting this to this point yeah. That somebody and starting from the ground up, I mean, it would just be, how do you can possibly compete? And there's, there's other services that have tried that. And I can't even remember the names of some of them where they'll, they'll, they'll grab some, even Facebook has done this, though they'll grab some like big high level YouTubers and then draw them over to their platform, trying to get people in there. And it just it just doesn't work. People don't. It worked for it. Howard Stern on satellite radio. True. But I highly doubt you know any size um, influence or any size group of influencers. It would have to be a lot of people, like yeah. a mass exodus, as you were, as it were, to like go and and support another platform. 
And even when you do get that, how are you going to support the resources required to, to actually uh, have a platform for viral videos? We're all here to get as many eyes as possible, to get the video that gets millions of views so you can build up millions of subscribers. How can you possibly do that without having the infrastructure of Google behind you? And yeah. like just like the, the data and like being able to stream, as Matthias has said in, in a podcast mm -hmm. back in the days where you used to have to be mindful of videos going viral. And it's like, how am I going to pay for the bandwidth? And now you'll have companies. It's like, how, how are we going to pay for the bandwidth of multiple, you know, influencers who have the ability to derive hundreds of millions of views? How, how are we going to get the infrastructure to actually make that happen? So it does seem like a massive hill to climb right now. I think if anyone had the potential to, you know, replace it, it would have been Facebook. But I kind of think that ship has sailed. I mean, they really, Facebook really tried to put out an effort within the last couple of years with their Facebook watch and Facebook video. And, but it's a different, it's a whole different thing over there because people consume videos completely different and they don't follow channels the same way you do on YouTube. And it's horrible. They have no searchability. They have no. no ability to like, Hey, I'm looking for this. It always ends up, you know, obviously prioritizing the Facebook pages and like their platform. It really did seem like a year you're 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 building your highway a little too wide right now I, I think you guys should just kind of focus on what you're doing and just leave the i and and if you've seen the quality of video that works on facebook that, oh. that would never i mean it's the same thing with vine and, and yeah. all of the like the other styles of content even if it is video it it it, it gets away from like the ability to produce a 15 minute piece of content that can sit for years and be accessible by anybody anywhere in the world right and you know it's become part of our vernacular to just like talk about youtube as like it's not even like that's just the website like that's the whole form of getting a video out there you go viral on you don't go viral on the internet anymore you go viral on youtube you're True. a youtuber everything is a youtuber that's what this podcast is about yeah and i i guess to wrap it up what we've been talking here with all of this is that I think that it's good to understand that YouTube is always going to be changing and that just try to roll with those bunches when they happen because in my estimation, everything is always kind of worked out no matter whenever somebody was predicting doom and gloom, this is it, this is it for YouTube. We're all leaving, everybody boycott YouTube or whatever. And then you, you find out, oh, the features work. They're working pretty well. I mean, they've got some pretty bright people working on this stuff, know a lot more about it than I do. And um, over time, you know, when I look at the platform, it's probably in a much better place now than it was 10 years ago. I mean, there's sure there was some features 10 years ago that would have been nice, but I think overall right now it's working pretty well. If you found this conversation interesting, you should run over to our iTunes Apple podcast page because yeah. over there you can leave a review. A review goes a long way because it helps us get a little bit more exposure for this podcast. But more, more important than that, it, it makes both me and Steve feel amazing. So if you don't mind... Head on over, uh, say hello, leave a review or even just a rating. And we also have a YouTube channel. We're trying to figure out exactly what to do with it. But if you go over and subscribe to it, you will be the first to know what we end up doing with our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, everybody.